Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome across the fruited plain of America. It's Eric Erickson here, and I am delighted to have you. The phone number, if you'd like to be on the program, 877-973-7425. Before I get back to phone calls, I got to talk to you about this. And and now I got to tell you, my spidey sense went off. This could not be real. It couldn't be real. But then I saw this article this morning at Newsweek. Who is Kaleo Manuel? The Maui water official faces scrutiny over fire response. You, you got to, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe this was real. And I'll, I'll be the first to apologize if it's not. But I, I've looked into this and, and now suddenly there's this article at Newsweek. A letter sent by the West Maui Land Company to an official at the Hawaii Commission on Water Resource Management, highlights a delay in releasing water that may have hampered firefighters' efforts to tame a raging blaze in West Maui. Maui was devastated by a series of fires last week that killed an estimated 110 people, as per the latest estimates. The August 10th letter to the Commission on Water Resource Management Deputy Director M. Kaleo Manuel describes the events and communications problem that resulted in a delay of diverting streams to fill reservoirs being made available to firefighters. The organization operates within the state of Hawaii's Department of Land and Natural Resources. The three-page document calls on manual to suspend all standard procedures and regulations in case of similar emergencies so that help can be provided immediately in the event of future blazes. West Maui Land Company manages three of West Maui's water providers. As the fire was ravaging the island, the company said firefighters had used what little water they had in the reservoirs and tanks. So they asked the organization to divert water from streams to enable them to store as much water as possible for fire control. But instead of approving the request, the commission asked them if the Maui Fire Department had requested permission to dip into the reservoirs and told them to inquire with a local farmer first to check how a diversion of the water supply would affect him. The company said communications were spotty and the commission's approval to divert water from the streams came five hours after the first request, too late. We watched the devastation around us without the ability to help, the company wrote in a letter to the commission. We anxiously awaited the morning knowing that we could have made more water available to the Maui Fire Department if our request had been immediately approved. Maui has been deputy director for the commission since January 2019 and was in his second term of office when the first fire broke out. For a decade, he worked as a planning program manager with the Department of Hawaiian Homelands. West Maui Land Company says they cannot know whether filling our reservoir at 1 p.m. as opposed to not at all would have changed the headlines when dawn broke on our weary first responders and heartbroken community. But they added that what happened called for a quick response and the approval of a diversion of water resources. We are all devastated. No one's happy there was water in the streams while our homes, our businesses, our lands, and our lives were reduced to ash. Manuel has since come under fire on social media where a resurfaced clip showed him discussing protecting water in the region. My motto has always been, let water connect us, not divide us, he said in the clip, adding that water should be looked at as something revered rather than just used. We can share it, but it requires true conversations about 
equity. Equity. That's right. The governor of the state uh, said one thing that people need to understand, especially those from far away, is that there's been a great deal of water conflict on Maui for years. It's important that we're honest about this. People have been fighting against the release of water to fight fires. I'll leave it to you to explore. That's from the governor. So, yes, it appears that it is all true. Uh, I want to play for you that clip. You should hear it for yourself. So you understand this is M. Kaleo Manuel, the official who would not respond to the request to release the water. The commission is responsible per, per our authorizing statute to protect and manage all water resources in the state. One water is like taking it and looking at it from a holistic system perspective. And that's not diff any different than how Hawaiians traditionally manage water. You know, in, in essence, we treated it, and Native Hawaiians treated water as one of the earthly manifestations of a god and a kua, kane. And so that reverence um, for a resource and that reciprocity in relationship was was something that was really, really important to our worldview and, and well-being, right? And living in an island in isolated from other, you know, civilizations. Um, and so I think where it shifted to today or over time is that we've become used to looking at water as like something which we use and not necessarily something w that we revere as that thing that gives us life, right? I mean, to me, it's a shift in value set. Um, and, you know, if we can start to really look at how we as humans in an island um, can reconnect to that traditional value set. So really, my motto is always like, let water connect us and not divide us. Like, we, we can share it, but it requires true conversations about equity. Aha! True conversations about equity. It sounds like the governor of Hawaii is throwing this guy under the bus. I mean, again, this is from the the governor of the state of Hawaii. It's important that we're honest about this. People have been fighting against the release of water to fight fires. I'll leave that to you to explore we have a difficult time on Maui and other rural areas getting enough water for houses, for our people, for any response. It's important we be honest. There are currently people still fighting in our state, giving us water access to fight and prepare for fires, even as more storms arise. Um, interestingly, it appears this man has been reassigned from this position, how many people died, not because of climate change, but because this guy would not respond to a request to release water. I guess they needed to have the equity issue asked and contemplated first. And then there's this. Officials say using the warning sirens wouldn't have saved lives. You know, I've been on the warning sirens, and this now... Uh, actually suggest to me that maybe we shouldn't be blaming the warning siren issue. And I mentioned the warning siren several times now as something they didn't do. But um, the official uh, who uh, it is the Emergency Management Agency Administrator Herman Andaya told reporters Wednesday afternoon he has no regrets about not using the sirens as the fire started spreading wildly. And doing so would not have affected the death toll. And here's why he says it. And if he's right, I think he probably did make the right call. He says that the sirens are for tsunamis. They're not for wildfires. That had they fired the sirens, 
people would have known to run to the mountains to escape a tsunami. And the mountains are where the fire was. So by firing the sirens, they were afraid they would have encouraged people to run into the mountains where they would have been trapped by the wildfires. If that's true, that does make some sense. But also we now learn that this guy didn't really have emergency management training. And we also learn a lot of the sirens were broken and wouldn't have worked anyway, and they hadn't updated them. And while everyone's blaming climate change, well, it looks actually like perhaps it was the environmentalists who are more to blame. During the 2019 wildfire season, according to the Wall Street Journal, one of the worst Maui had ever had, Hawaiian Electric concluded it needed to do far more to prevent its power lines from emitting sparks. The utility examined California's plan to reduce fires ignited by power lines, started flying drones over its territory, and vowed to take steps to protect its equipment and its customers from the threat of fire. Nearly four years later, the company's completed little such work. Between 2019 and 2022, it invested less than $245,000 on wildlife-specific projects on the island. Regulatory filings show it didn't seek state approval to raise rates to pay for broad wildfire safety improvements until 2022 and has yet to receive that approval. Now the company is facing scrutiny, litigation, and a financial crisis over indications that its power lines may have played a role in igniting the deadliest U.S. wildfire more than a century. The fire's cause hasn't been determined, but mounting evidence suggests the utility's equipment was involved. One video taken by a resident showed a downed power line igniting dry grass along the road near Lahanae. Lahaina. A firm that monitors grid sensors reported dozens of electrical disruptions in the hours before the fire began, including one that coincided in time with video footage of a flash of light from power lines. Hawaiian Electric says it would investigate any role its infrastructure may have played and cooperate with a separate probe into the fire. In response to questions about its wildfire mitigation Spending, a spokesman for Hawaiian Electric, said the company reduces wildfire risk through its routine utility work, including trimming or removing trees and upgrading, replacing, and inspecting equipment. The problem is it hasn't been cutting down grasses near the fire near the power lines. On top of that, like Western power utilities, like those in California that sparked the wildfires there, they've had to spend all of their resources on renewables. They've had to spend all their money on solar and wind. They haven't been able to upgrade power lines because they'll get fined by the state of Hawaii if they don't upgrade in certain amounts of time. And to rush the upgrades to avoid the fines, they gave up on maintaining their power lines. And those power lines sparked in the high winds and hit the dry ground and the dry grass that they refused to trim. That's what's happening here. That's what's going on here. That's what happened. It's mass government incompetence and bureaucracy. It's just a, a, a mass incompetence happening. It's a mass problem of government inefficiency, burdening companies and individuals, and an unwillingness to divert water because it's a precious divine resource that must be shared. And so, so many people died, not because of climate change, but because of government bureaucracies and burdens.
But in order to avoid accountability, they'll scream about the climate changing. He's got the courage to tell you the actual truth, even when it isn't popular. It's the Eric Erickson Show. Want to be on the show? Come on, be on the show. Call Eric now at 877-973-7425. Yes, you can. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. As the voice says, 877-973-7425. I'm going to go take a call from Warren. Welcome to the show. Warren, how are you? I am fine for an old guy. Hope you're doing well. I am. Thank you. Listen, I had told your screener, as a former Reagan Republican, then a Republican, now a rhino, and these days I take the word Republican out of my uh, vocabulary. I consider myself a conservative independent. Notwithstanding all the issues with the trials and everything else going on, there's a bigger problem for the Republicans and the country. If Donald Trump, in fact, wins the primary, we're in trouble. The party, the country, democracy, because he does not have a snowball's chance in hell of winning a general election. And I'd like for the leaders of the Republican Party to figure that out and do something to save us all. I know you can't uh, lobby either way. Well, yeah, okay, Warren. So uh, I I would say one of the things that that comes up when you talk to President Trump supporters, and they're right about, is that in 2016, many people said the exact same thing, particularly even more so after the Access Hollywood tape, but he still beat Hillary Clinton. Um, My response to them is that, well, this is not Hillary Clinton. This is Joe Biden. And uh, we now, we've seen four years of Trump. We've seen four years of Biden. And the Associated Press poll that came out yesterday, I don't know if you all have seen this, but 53% of registered voters in America say they won't at all vote for him. And another 11%, so 64% total, say they are leaning towards not voting for him. So you're already at a majority of registered voters. Now, that being said, who actually votes? And and here's what I would say, Warren, is, yeah, I, I, I think that Trump is the most vulnerable to being beaten in the general. And we've seen the Democrats openly admit in 2022 they gamed the Republican primaries to ensure the weakest candidate got the nomination, which I think they're doing here. At the same time, he's real close to Joe Biden in the polling, and the economy is probably going to tank. That stuff does matter. I mean, my my gut is, and I look, people say, well, you were wrong in 2016. You didn't think you could win. That's right. But I was right in 2018. I was right in 2020. I was right in 2022. And the only way that Trump people think I'm wrong in 2020 is they say it was stolen, and it wasn't, uh, and they can't admit it. And I, I actually do think that if Donald Trump were to get the nomination, lose again, it's actually really good for the grifters. They say, well, they've just stolen it, and a lot of people give up and say, well, there's no way we can win. They keep stealing it. No one's there to help us, and a lot of people go away. That might actually be healthy for these people and everyone else to 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 go take a break from politics until they get their mind right and get back in the game. Um, but Trump supporters have a very good argument that that's what everybody said in 2016, and he won. And they have a very good argument that when you look at the polling right now, it's still very close. 
uh, he and Joe Biden are very, very close in a general election matchup in the Rear Clear Politics average. Joe Biden is only four tenths of a point ahead of him. That sort of thing matters. And so it's a hard case to make to them. Uh, I just do think, however, that this Associated Press data point, 53% have already decided there's no way they'd ever vote for him again, is is a problem. But we got a long time to discuss it. Right now we need to discuss Americans for Prosperity. They're going to be at the gathering. Uh, so they're coming to the gathering. They've got their bus. Uh, they're on a, a tour across America talking about reigniting the American dream. Now, what does that mean? Uh, it is hard for people to access the American dream right now because the cost of living is high. Uh, mortgage rates are high. Uh, the cost of opening a business is, is burdensome. And they want to talk to Americans and explain how the government can be deregulated to make it cheaper for Americans to live and access the American dream. And a lot of it can be done at the state level, which is why they're going around the states. They want you to be a part of it. All you have to do is go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. americansforprosperity.org, O-R-G, slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You sign up and be a part of their grassroots operation around the country. They have grassroots activists across the country, 4 million plus and growing. They teach you how to be a great activist, how to persuade your neighbors for a limited government. Join Americans for Prosperity, americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. Jack has been waiting very patiently. Welcome to the show, Jack. How are you? Thanks, Eric. I'm doing well. Appreciate your time and your expertise. Uh, we're a little far down the road for this, but I, I haven't heard anybody mention it. And I guess it's worth pointing out that in the 08 uh, races, I guess we were being told that Obama had won both at Illinois and uh, in his Senate race, in part by having his opponents disqualified by one means or another, and so that he actually didn't even have to to uh, compete for the election. And this is kind of an Obama strategy, even though it's Biden we're seeing it. I suspect it comes out of the Obama toolbox. Uh, have you had any thoughts about that? Yeah, you know, that's a great point. Um, Obama did. In fact, if you all will recall, he was running against Jack Ryan uh, in Illinois for the Senate race, who was a, a pretty impressive candidate, but was also a fairly sexually deviant. And his divorce records had been sealed. They got leaked nonetheless by the Obama team. Uh, he had been married to the actress Jerry Ryan, who played Seven Nine in Star Trek Voyager, and all of her allegations against him disqualified him. He dropped out. Alan Key stepped up and got blown out of the water by Obama. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me, although the playbook from the Democrats over the last several years now has been to try to elevate the people they think are the weakest Republican candidates and get those people the Republican nomination. And that seems to be what's working with this rally around the flag effect. This is what I think a lot of people suspect um, is part of what's going on here. Now, the Democrats vigorously deny it, but we literally just went through an election, 2022, where the Democrats attacked and elevated the people they considered the weakest Republicans, um, whether it was the the guy who was running in the congressional district up in Michigan against um, Peter Meyer or was the guy out in Washington state, um, was his name, Joe King or whatever. Uh, then there's um, Dr. Oz, uh, Blake Masters, people like that around the country. The Democrats targeted them. Uh, treated them as if they were the nominee, leaked uh, articles that suggested they were scared of these guys being the nominee, and then they became the nominee and the Democrats blew them out of the water. I kind of think Democrats really want 
Donald Trump to be the nominee because they they look at the same polling that everybody else is looking at. And you can say the polling's wrong, although you, you can't really cite the polling that shows Donald Trump's ahead of everybody else in the Republican primary and then dismiss the rest of it. It's the same polling from the same people. And that polling shows like the Associated Press polling shows Donald Trump is like 30 points ahead of his nearest Republican rival and also 53% of registered American voters say there's no circumstance in which they vote for him. Maybe he can persuade them, but I don't think you can persuade them by relitigating 2020. And that is where so much of the campaign is. And, and by the way, so the Washington Examiner has this story out. DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, Governor of Florida, has been targeted by more negative expenditures than Donald Trump and Joe Biden combined. A quarter of all independent expenditures thus far, $20.2 million, has targeted Ron DeSantis. More than has been spent in either positive or negative independent expenditures for Donald Trump and Joe Biden combined. Trump was hit with just $8.1 million in negative expenditures, according to the data compiled by Rob Pyers, a Republican consultant. Biden, the incumbent president and frontrunner, was attacked with just $9.2 million in independent expenditures. The top folks in polling always attract the most negative advertising. However, few Republican candidates are willing to go negative on Donald Trump, so DeSantis ends up taking the most fire, says Republican pollster Doug Usher. Republican strategist Doug Hay came to a similar conclusion. Most Republican campaigns or those with funds have determined DeSantis is the biggest obstacle, thus they are spinning against him. As for why they've opted against negatively targeting Trump, he says, if candidates aren't going to go out of their way to criticize Trump every time he's indicted, you sure aren't going to see funds spin attacking him. I mean, we've seen this phenomenon happen before. They, they are, and that's one reason DeSantis is, is struggling right now, and he is struggling, despite what his campaign says. He's struggling. But he's also seen more money go after him than Trump and Obama or Trump and, and Biden combined. That's a tough obstacle to overcome. There's the reality there. Now, to the phones, again, 877-973-7425. Al, welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. How are you doing, man? Good. What's going on? Um, well, I'm, I'm from Georgia, and I disagree with you strongly about the 2020 election. I don't want to use the word stolen. I want to use the word um, bail-in balloting. That is what swung the 2020 election, especially in Georgia. He loses by 11,000 votes, but Brad whatever his name is, let Stacey Abrams run all over him and get 100% mail-in balloting without any way for verification. So I'm sure there were more than 11,000 votes in the state of Georgia that were not valid. It happened all over the country. So you define stolen maybe a different way than I do. But that's how the Democrats, who even bragged about it, basically said, we took the election away because we were smarter than the Republicans. And we got our way in most most all states. Okay. So, I, I actually now, agree uh, with uh, you to a degree on that. Okay. Let me throw this one aside. 2022, I truly believe, based on my daughters and her friends who are all in their 30s and 40s, that abortion throughout with the Republicans' advantage that they obviously had, um, and not necessarily bad candidates, although I agree with you. Some of the, the ones that, that Trump picked because he was in a battle with whomever were not the best candidates. But I really believe abortion was the main issue that kept those 
what we call white educated females from voting Republican throughout the country. Okay, in all so kinds of I, I actually, I, 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 to a degree agree with you on the first point and on the second point as well. And, and let me explain uh, my view of this on the abortion one first. Uh, and Al, thanks for that. That, that was well stated. Um, yes, in certain parts of the country, abortion mattered, and it's going to matter again this time, too. But it matters regionally in certain places. It didn't matter in Ohio. It didn't matter in Georgia. It didn't even matter in Pennsylvania, believe that or not, with John Fetterman. With the Fetterman issue, his campaign worked very hard for him to stay away from everyone until most of the early voting had already been calculated. And then they trotted him out, and we realized, oh, my gosh, this guy has got serious damage. But he had already been elected statewide, and voters knew him as opposed to Dr. Oz, who was not a good candidate. Yes, there are districts in the country where it mattered. But, Al, it should have mattered in New York, a highly pro-choice state, and it didn't. Republicans did very well in New York. Republicans actually outperformed in California, too, a place it should have greatly mattered. So it was more than abortion. Abortion in some areas, Michigan, Wisconsin, in swing districts, it mattered. But it didn't matter across the country. Other issues did. The quality of the candidates mattered. Now, let's go back to the first one. Um, It wasn't stolen in the sense that everyone got to play by the same rules, and where did those rules come from for the, the because of COVID, we're going to free up early voting and, and everybody gets to do absentee ballots. We're going to make it easy for people to do absentee ballots. Where did that come from? That came from Donald Trump's administration. It was the Department of Homeland Security under Donald Trump that encouraged states to do that. It was Donald Trump's Department of Homeland Security that said we need to do this thing called a drop box that's never been done before. It was Donald Trump's Department of Homeland Security. You can deny it, but it's the truth, and the truth matters. Donald Trump's administration came up with those things, and then Democrats took advantage of it, and Republicans did not. Donald Trump told people, go vote same day. Don't go vote early, and people listened to him. Democrats took advantage of it. Republicans didn't. Democrats went with gusto to doing it. Republicans didn't. You can't say they stole it because they just followed The rules that Donald Trump's Homeland Security said go for. Some states like Nevada went even further, changed the rules mid-game. I think it was wrong, but they did it. And the Republicans sat around and said, well, we're not going to follow those rules changes. That means the Democrats didn't steal it. It means Republicans were stupid. That's the God's honest truth. The Democrats decided to embrace early balloting, absentee voting. Now, as to whether or not there were a bunch of ballots that, that were cast that were illegal. Here's the problem is there were plenty of opportunities to show that and no Republicans showed it in court. In fact, according to the Fulton County indictment, they made claims about early voting in court that the lawyers themselves in their emails to each other said they weren't sure were true. And they didn't prove them in court. They had no proof. I have successfully been able as an elections lawyer to throw absentee ballots out. I have had more success in my legal career that I have not had in 20 years than the Trump team had in Georgia or anywhere else, challenging absentee ballots. And I have all these people tell me, but there were were all sorts of irregularities. There were X number of thousand people who had registered to vote elsewhere, but then went home to vote and they shouldn't have been able to do that. None of that was shown in court. You got to be able to put up or shut up. 
And we have the grievance and say, well, all this nefariousness happened and here are the numbers, but nobody took it to court to show it. Nobody did. Nobody took those steps to prove it. Nobody did. So you can we can scream into the wind. We can we can moan about it and say it was stolen. Look at all these numbers of people who cast ballots who were dead or whatnot. But none of that was ever proven in court. And you have to be able to prove it in court. And let me just stop you there. This was before Trump judges in Georgia. The Trump judges got the cases and the Trump judges were not satisfied with the evidence. That sort of stuff matters. And we can complain about it all day long, but at the end of the day, it was the Trump administration that made those rules, and it was the Trump campaign that said, we're not going to follow those rules, and the Democrats who said, okay, look at this. We got all these opportunities now to get absentee ballots to our supporters and make sure they're collected and turned back in, and they did. That's not theft. That's play in the system. And they did better than Donald Trump's team. Chuck, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Chuck, hey, how are you, Eric? Good. What's going yep. on? How are you? Good. Hey, um, being an attorney, I want to put this question to you. I, we know that it's fairly malicious the way this prosecution is working here in Georgia. But dare I say it, being that she wants to do this the day before primaries, could it possibly be inferred as election uh, tampering? Oh, um, you and I will say yes. Uh, the court sadly will say no. Um, there, there's actually case law on this point. Um, she gets to request any day she wants, including election day itself, if she wants to. And uh, given the duration of period between now and the election, it wouldn't be considered election interference. Um, I think it is. Uh, I absolutely, positively am convinced. When you look at the lay of the land of all these cases, I think the Democrats are playing shenanigans. I think Jack Smith himself is playing shenanigans. And for the, you don't have to believe me on this. I try to be a reasonable person, including the fact that a lot of people out there uh, attack me for being too reasonable. But Chuck, let me listen. Listen to this. The Trump trial, they won it uh, on the January 6th case, January 2nd. The Iowa caucus is January 15th. They want the Trump trial in Georgia on March 4th, Super Tuesday, including Georgia's March 5th. They want the Trump trial to begin on March 25th in the Alvin Bragg case. You've got primaries in Florida, Illinois, Arizona, Kansas, Ohio, and Louisiana between March 19th and 23rd. And then they want the Trump documents case to be tried on March uh, May 20th. Oregon and Kentucky have primaries. The last primaries are on May 21st. Yeah, I absolutely think there's political motivation in all of that. You can't convince me otherwise, but it doesn't mean the judges will get them that stuff. Now, I got to tell you guys, some of you have asked me questions about the Swiss America deal. It is what it is, folks. It is so cut and dry. You literally can get a Walking Liberty half dollar for $13.50 each. A great way to get started collecting and using precious metals as part of your portfolio. Swiss America is the nation's leader in this. Uh, they've been the leader in precious metal investing for 40 years in this country. And now they're with me. They're on my team, and I'm on theirs. You get the Walking Liberty half dollar for $13.50. You get up to 250 of them uh, while supplies last. I've got mine. It is a piece of silver, and it's gorgeous, and it's printed by the U.S. Mint. 
It comes even with a certificate from the U.S. Mint. If you want it, call 800-289-2646 or go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. You can call or text 800-289-2646. Message data rates apply. You mentioned my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. you got to spell it, E-R-I-C-K. There are lots of Eric's out there, and I'm E-R-I-C-K. I'm the only one on radio. And you can take advantage of this, 1350 while supplies last, up to 250 coins per customer. Great for your grandkids. Get great for your kids. Great for you. They're a cool-looking coin. 800-289-2646 or visit SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. Begin your journey with precious metals with Swiss America today. He'll do the research and give it to you straight. Eric Erickson is live every weekday. WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. Get the podcast, live stream, email, and social media links by texting ERIC to 33777 now. Greetings. How are you? It's Eric Erickson here. 877-973-7425. I want to go to Pat Collin. Welcome to the show, Pat. Oh, yes. So glad to be able to talk with you. First of all, I would like to say I wasn't involved or kept updated on any anything political until I started listening to your show. And so I appreciate all your information you. and your balance. Thank you. Um, my uh, question and comment would be, I'll, I'll get concerned about the polls when people say the polls say this or that. Mm -hmm. How accurate is the poll? Oh, that's a good question. Not nearly as accurate as they were 20 years ago when everybody had landlines and not just cell phones. Um, they're far less accurate now, which is why I tell people try to ignore individual polls and look at the polling average where you take all the pollsters together and you average out the results. You tend to get a better result. So um, like, for example, in 2016, the polling average was within a percentage point of the final outcome between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, where she did win the popular vote, and that's what the polling saw. And everybody's like, ah, we forgot electoral college matters. you got to survey those states. Um, when you get into individual state polling, uh, those state polls are less accurate than national polling. Uh, when you compile the, all of the polls together and you take the average, you have a sense of where everything's headed. You don't have the right number. Like if the polling average says 52%, it's probably not. Uh, but if it goes from 52% to 55%, you probably say it's not 55%, but it's trending upward, whatever that is. Um, and then the other uh, issue uh, is uh, – uh, the other issue is there – and, and uh, Pat, I'm afraid i got to let you go there because i gotta, I got to – an ad here, but um, the other issue is when you add in the partisan polling, that messes up. The media polling in 22 actually showed us what was happening accurately, that Democrats had begun surging at the end. The Republicans flooded the polling average with a lot of polls that then pushed it back down and made even people like me say the media polls might be wrong. Turns out the media polls were actually pretty right. Now, what's right for you is to go to omahasteaks.com today and get to their anniversary sale package off 50% off site-wide. 50% off site-wide. Don't forget Labor Day's coming up, too. I actually already stockpiled my freezer. We're having a cookout, so I got burgers. I took advantage. I mean, myself. You know how weird it is to go to a website, use your own name to do something? But I did. omahasteaks.com. You put Eric in the search bar. I got uh, the, the great assortment they've got right now with the, the fillets, the chicken breast, the bacon-wrapped pork chops. 
the boneless uh, or the, the gourmet jumbo franks and the burgers. Right now you get eight burgers, eight gourmet jumbo franks for free. I loaded up all I really did because we're having a cookout and I got all the gourmet jumbo franks I get, all the burgers I get. I did save some for y'all. It was just kind of funny for me. I was laughing the whole time using my own name for my own discount code at Omaha Steaks. But you get fifty percent off site wide. You get eight burgers, eight gourmet jumbo franks for free in their package. It's an incredible deal, incredible value. Don't forget they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not happy with it, they will make you happy because they want a lifetime relationship with you. They're that good. They've been doing this for over 100 years now. OmahaSteaks.com That's the website. You'll see a search bar. Put in my name, Eric. E-R-I-C-K.